second. What? Have you come in contact with a hollowed out body? No, I haven't. But if you were to come sure? in contact with a female hollowed out body, what are you going to do? My first reaction isn't going here? to be, I mean, let's throw some glass into it. I've got Fill an idea. Fill it with peanut butter. <laughs> Fill it with peanut butter, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know. As far back as educated men have recorded their history, veils have been lowered to disclose a vast new reality rents in the fabric of man's awareness and somewhere in the endless search of the curious mind lies the next vision the next key to his infinite capacity Like that it doesn't make the ping at the more anymore at the beginning because I don't know if we're recording until I see it go across the screen. Anyways, welcome back everybody. Uh, this week we have the return of Robert Brewster from rabrewster.com to talk about strange creatures, weird places, weird people, and weird things. And we go all over the place in this show as yeah, as usual. Do. Um, there's really this, good to talk to. You know, yeah, he's like, a fun he's guy. He is. he is. I mean, he makes it interesting on top of like, like actually knowing stuff. You know yeah, I mean? and he hangs out on our page. He's really active in our community. Um, yep. <clears throat> sorry about that. I've got this. God, I hate it when the weather changes. It's because I get these sinus problems. My sinuses start straining. Like even in this show, there's stuff that I've edited out because I breathe differently and I can hear. Yeah, it. you were whistling. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know. So <laughs> it's like I need to keep a bottle. of. I wish, actually, I went out and bought one today. I went and bought a bottle of saline spray just to keep it on my desk for this time of year. And uh, I did edit Thanks, a lot of that baby. out. Um, and uh, we, we also learned that if you find a hollowed out body, the best thing to do is to shove peanut butter down into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? What? Oh, it's better than glass. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. But um, everybody's been posting all week long about, hey, Halloween's coming and blah, blah, blah. And at the beginning of the week, I think it was the same for you. We were at like 97 degrees or something. Oh, yeah, dude. It was hot. Now and it's cold here. Yeah. Now it's like now we're we're down to like the, the 60s, which I'm OK with. I'm cool. But I was like, I can't get into Halloween when it's 97 degrees outside. So it promptly uh-huh. the temperature drops and I go outside and I start putting Halloween stuff outside because this is for me and you. This is this is our Christmas. This is our time of the year. Mm-hmm. But um, and then I did that show last week uh, when you were off, when I, I put together the found audio one and I just kind of ran everything out the back window. So. There was all the crickets going off, and everybody's like, oh, it's so dark metal, or whatever the hell they said. I don't understand what um, that means. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it was fine, you know? And um, so last night, we were recording, and I had all the windows and everything closed in here because of the, because it was cold out, and you can still hear the damn crickets through the closed window. This microphone, sometimes it doesn't pick up anything. Sometimes it can pick up a fly farting in the next room, <laughs> and it's irritating. So as I'm editing this show up, um, why? What is there a tabloid thing going across the screen? That's just that's I sent that for you to read later. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not now. 
<laughs> I didn't know what the hell it was. That's the randomness of the show. Myself. So anyways, I'm, I'm hearing all the crickets and stuff in this episode. And there's another weird thing is that, um, like, I don't know what it was, but Robert's got some weird kind of, um, there, there's like a weird, um, reverb to his voice and it's coming yep. from his end and there's nothing I can do to get rid of it. No matter what I try to do to get rid of it. Cause my audio track, when I, when I produce the show, my voice is on one track and your voice and whoever the guest is, is on another track. And that's how I get our levels all set because I, I'm using a new version of Adobe Audition now, which is, is really sweet, but I'm, I digress. So when you're listening to this show, there's this weird ambient like reverb coming off of Robert's voice that's really bizarre. And there's this weird stuff like going on in the background. I'm not sure quite what it is. Plus, the guy's pretty soft spoken. So I had to do a little bit of magic to kind of port him up a little bit. It was bizarre. So when you're listening to the show, I don't know if, if it gets on your nerves. I'm sorry. I, there's nothing I could do to fix it. It was really off the wall. But um, yeah, we'll talk about everything else after the interview. And uh, I guess we'll just see you guys at the other side. Bye. Returning to us, R.A. Brewster, Robert Brewster, from rabrewster.com. And uh, how long has it been since you've been on here now? Has it been six months, seven months, eight months? I think our last one was the uh, the Valentine's Day one, so it's been a while. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah we're, we're about due for you. We're about due. Well, I, I like to give you a few months because um, it gives you time. Like, th- there's certain people that we will go to on a regular basis, but we do it over every so often, so they've got time to build up, like, a catalog of weird stuff <clears> in their <throat> blogs. You've certainly delivered this time around. Mm-hmm. You have a knack for finding really obscure and off-the-wall creatures, strange folklore. And even now, you've expanded into serial killers, and you're you're starting to go out and fi- venture and find really obscure, strange serial killers. Not that serial killers aren't strange to begin with, but you're finding, you know, you're not finding the usual stuff, which is why I really like your site and why we like talking to you. How have you been? How's things been going? Are you still doing your radio show? And, you know, give us the dime store tour of what you've been up to. Okay, so yeah, basically things have been doing pretty good in my way. Happy to be back on, by the way. Missed you guys. Yeah. Oh, thanks for coming back. Oh, anytime. But uh, some Tend of the stuff I've been people. Not, not too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just enough, you know. Is it just to be like, am I on edge around these guys? Should I be worried? <laughs> no, not with us. <laughs> You still pop on the Project Archivist Facebook page and post stuff on there. I think you still hang out on the Reddit page, too, didn't you? Which was the crypto... R slash cryptids. I hang out there on a lot. Yeah, because that's where I originally discovered your blog was on R slash cryptids. It was like, hey, do you want to do this? And you're like, I don't know. I've never done a podcast before. We get that a lot from people. I've never done a podcast before. I don't know. And then I after didn't that, know. I was like, what do I do? And then I'm kind of <laughs> hooked now. It's like, oh, this is pretty great. Well, yeah, then Soraya pulled you on his show, and you were on uh, Where Did the Road Go? And Soraya's oh, a big times. fan of yours. Um, so it was like, you know, I, I, every once in a while, I'll periodically pop back in there. I'm like, okay, that's new, that's new, that's new. All right, now we've got enough stuff. Now it's time to get you back on. So um, we were talking to you off the air, and you've been really pinging in hard on the uh, the Asian folklore. Um which yeah, is, that's it, been my jam for a bit now. That's there's just such a humongous amount of off the wall stuff in their folklore. Yeah, it's the cultures are fascinating. Really out there stuff. 
So let's get talking about some of the scuff that you've discovered. Wow, did I just say scuff? I'm I have I have really wicked sinus problems going on right now. So that's right. You know words. It's okay. <laughs> well, that's Only debatable. The best words. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know great words, huge words. I can say fantastic words. Um, the best words you ever heard. The best words you've ever heard. <laughs> like so, God, <laughs> I can say anonymous. <laughs> anonymous. Oh, he's got it. He knows it. He knows it. Yep. He knows it. Took him three months with a speech coach, but he got it. All right, so (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That's great. (laughs) Where are you taking us to first, and what are we going to talk about first? I told you I would throw the throw the ball into your court and just let us run from there. So, um, take us to strange places and weird creatures. All right. Well, I'm actually going to bring you into my favorite one, which is more of a more recent work. It's called the Pinning Golem, and I've always pronounced it wrong, I guess. I always You've been calling it Pangolin. Yeah, Penangolin is what I've been calling it. I could call it the... I might be pronouncing it wrong. Penangolin might be the right way to say it. I don't know. P-E-N-A-N-G-G-A-L-A-N, which makes me want to say G.G. Allen. <laughs> okay, it's now, if this Pringle. was a G.G. Allen, now that's a nightmare. You don't want to attach that to that man's face. I'm ashamed oh. to admit that I saw that guy live in concert a long time ago. Yeah, it was okay. We're going to veer off course real quick here because that is a monster story in itself. Um, obviously, you know, if, if, if people, if you don't know who Gigi Allen is, I don't know if I want to tell you to Google the guy or not, but uh, absolutely, don't look up images. You can do a Wikipedia search on Gigi Allen. He no. is, he was a punk look rock performer. No, 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 yes. that, that would be bad. Nightmares. I mean. So um, I had just turned 18, and my buddy's like, hey, Gigi Allen's coming to town. Now, when I was growing up in high school in the punk rock scene, you always kind of heard about Gigi Allen because the guy was so flipped out. And I, I was like, I don't know. And we're like, all, all, all right, I'll, I will go experience the phenomena that is Gigi Allen because you really don't go it see the guy experience, like, It was an experience. Actually, I don't. I know I didn't stay for the whole show that night. Um, so... He uh, he he comes out. He does a, a few songs, and then he invites people to come up on stage and beat his ass. So a few people got up on stage and were hammering away on him. The guy was just intense, and uh, I think there was some fecal matter involvement too. And I'm not exaggerating at all. It was it was rough, and it was like you know what? I, I think I'm done. I think I'm out of here. No, I had gone and seen the butthole surfers and stuff like that, but. This guy was a whole new level of, of heaviness. Strangely enough, with the butthole surfers, there's no fecal matter involved. No, but the butthole yeah, surfers know, are pretty seems wild. Like it's, <laughs> I'm sorry, I got lost on that. The butthole surfers, it just kills me every time I hear it. Oh, I've seen I them many times. Group. Yeah, I saw them at Lollapalooza. I've seen them a couple of times live. They were great. Um, and uh, they just came out of their album a couple of years ago, you know, after a long lapse. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. But, um, yeah, Gigi Allen is... Um, I, I don't. I could probably do a show on him alone. Just the bizarre. You will do it alone. You yeah. will do it alone. I don't know if I should touch. I'm not going to tune in for that one. I'm sorry. No, I don't. I don't know if I could do it. But anyways, the penango, the penangalin, penangalin, whatever. It's the disembodying floating head female vampire. It's the head with the organs that just it just detaches itself from the body and goes out and hunts down people. It's. It's it's specifically uh, pregnant women. It's, yeah, uh, that's its favorite dream. There's a couple of different variations of this, I believe, but they all kind of fall in the same form, from what I understand. But go ahead, tell us about it. Yeah, I'm gonna start off with one of my favorite quotes I found about it. It's actually in the 
it's an interesting book. If you ever get a chance to pick it up, it's called The Vampire, His Kith and Kin. Mm-hmm. And it's like in a complete encyclopedia of vampiric uh, creatures throughout folklore and histories. But when they talked about the Penangolin, it goes, There have been many people who have seen the Penangolin flying along with its entrails dangling down and shining at night like fireflies. And that just kind of stuck with me. That image of this headless or this bodiless head floating through like the sky. Like a jellyfish. Yeah, like a jellyfish. But the, the entrails are tentacles, the heart, mm-hmm. lung, organs. It's just awful stuff. This is actually in one of the D&D Monster Manuals, too. I think it was mm-hmm. in the Fiend Folio. Again, I go back to that one for all of our geek listeners. And everybody out there, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, it makes connections now. I got it. Yeah. So, anyways, what is this thing? Uh, basically, what it was, imagine, if you will, if you're a woman close to the due date. And, you know, you're in a lot of pain anyway. You're starting to get the sweats. And you try to go to sleep. You try to just sort of relax a bit. And you feel a sharp pain between your legs. You look down in horror at not a baby, but a bodiless head that snaps the umbilical cord of your lifeless child and drinks its blood. This is basically the worst fear uh, personified. That's what the Penangolin is. Uh, it has different names. Uh, through Thailand, they call it the Krasu. Yeah, in it's the Philippines. It, yep. Yeah. I think it actually is called a Menangolin. And the reason, or Menangal. Mm-hmm. The reason it's said that way is the Menangal can actually be a male, but the Penangolin can only be female. Mm. Okay, to be clear, at nighttime, a head disconnects itself from, it's a, an Asian woman, the head disconnects itself, and the guts and the intestines, stomach and all that stuff, the entrails just float around behind it as it's in the air. Trailing about like a tail almost. In the daytime, it's just a normal woman. It doesn't, uh, yeah. it doesn't sleep well, like you, a normal vampire does. No, basically, you couldn't really tell... Uh, if a person is one of these creatures, just from looking at them. Because what's strange is they, for all intents and purposes, they're totally fine and normal, but they seem to take up um, jobs that involve blood. Uh, Usually something in nursing. A lot of them try to go in as midwives. And one of the dead giveaways is they become almost frenzied at the sight of blood. And they have a tendency to sort of follow around uh, pregnant women or seduce men that they know have sisters, wives, that sort of a big family. And during that seduction, they'll leave subtle hints like, oh, is anybody in your family expecting? Or it's like, oh, I hear your sister got married. Are they going to have kids soon? And they sort of attach themselves to that family until one of the women become pregnant, and that's when they attack. It says on here they will actually follow menstruating women around. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, um, it's like a really messed up chupacabra. I would take a goat sucker to this thing. Right. Like, they, they do go after sheeps and goats too, correct? Yeah, and fecal matter. They have a tendency to consume that as well. Judas Priest. When, when, nothing else, yeah, when nothing else is there. When you can't get the red stuff, the brown stuff will do. Again, I go back to Gigi Allen. Um, <laughs> so, it's too perfect. Uh, yeah, it is. How does a how does one become a penangolin or a penangolin or a pancreas head or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> we're going to go with pancreas head for the remainder of this because that's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh my there's, god! There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes along with it. Um, like saying yeah, there's warning signs, but from what I can tell, it's mostly through witchcraft, um, failed magical attempts. For example, let's say you try to make a deal with another worldly creature and you don't hold up your end. Uh, if you're a female, it actually may curse you to becoming one of the penangolins. And 
this can happen to a lot of individuals within the community, depending on where you are, because there's always been a sort of prevalence, if you will, of mysticism, sort of an undertow through a lot of Asian cultures. And while it's not always talked about, there are a significant number of people who still believe and follow some of those paths. So it kind of puts a lot of communities on edge because you never really know who could actually be in danger of that because it's a secretive thing. It's something you kind of keep to yourself. You can yeah. see where that would be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you how do you keep one away? Is, is it like a vampire where you throw garlic at her or holy symbols or well, no, obviously not. Since it's Asian, it's got to be something far weirder than that. Um, pineapples. Han pizza. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's okay. Wow. I was actually going to throw in. You got to add the pickles if you're going to do it right. Oh but. my god! Mm, yep, you definitely pickles. hang out on our page. <laughs> you know. yeah, basically, I've turned the Project Archivist page. I have a nickname for it now. It's just the Pizza Page. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. No, yeah, it's become Project Pizza as of late. <laughs> it's like. Who could post the grossest pizza and say who's going to eat it? And somebody will always say, I would eat it that. It kills my feed, but it's so good. <laughs> I'm waiting for the pumpkin spice pizza to go up. No, no. Okay, Shit, somewhere somewhere, a young white girl just went, pumpkin spice pizza? What? Ugh. All right, what? so going back to the so Pan Gigi Allen. <laughs> how, how do you kill a Pan Gigi Allen? Well, that's where it gets pretty interesting. Um, a lot of cultures have different ways of warding them off. But my favorite one was if you happen to live in a place where your house is raised up. A lot of uh, areas in the Philippines and in Thailand have uh, houses on stilts, if you will. Uh, they actually plant pineapples underneath that because they have very sharp um, leaves. Or they Wait a plant- minute, you're serious. Pineapples actually ward these things off. You weren't making a joke? Yes. No, I'm not making a joke. That's actually part of the folklore. Uh, one of the things is... Uh, <laughs> one of the things is it's very sensitive. The, the pineapple itself weirdly enough, isn't exactly supernaturally immortal to pain or being killed. You can just beat it with a stick until it's dead. I mean, it's not got any sort of like special uh, provisions like, so I can't be killed except for the state through the heart, nothing like that. One of the easiest ways to keep it away is to put sharp stuff around so when its organs trail across it, it shreds it and it hurts. So it would go and flee and run off the other direction. Uh, women, you? yeah, exactly. And women have a tendency to uh, sleep with <laughs> garden shears under their pillows in what? case they feel one attacking. So they'll just snap at it and make it die. I've never heard of a woman sleeping with garden shears under a pillow. Yeah, that would be terrifying on its own. Could you imagine like a night terror just got two out of hand? Well, hedge oh, clippers Jesus. are huge. They're not exactly easy to put under a pillow and continue sleeping. Imagine if you're like a penangula. You come here to get a little bite of something. All of a sudden, some shears start coming out like clockwork. Horrible. They'll teach you. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> so pineapple specifically because they grow out of the ground. They don't grow off of trees like everybody thinks. They grow off of the ground and they've got the sharp tops on them. The sharp. They grow on a stalk. Yeah, got that. Good. Okay. So it's not the There's pineapple the, itself. It's the sharp parts that are sticking out of it. Right. Yeah, sharp okay. parts of the plant, essentially. And then you've got the uh, mingukang, which is a uh, type of very thorny plant that they would swing uh, – or not swing, but they weave into little patterns to keep them up over the windows and doors so that when it tries to get in, of course, it would get cut. Now, what's interesting too is one of the uh, easiest ways to tell if a person is a penanguin is it will smell very thick of vinegar, very heavy vinegar smell. And the reason for that is when – They're goths. Well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, my God. It got too oh real. It got God. too real for all of us right there. 
But one of the easiest ways to tell is because they actually have to soak their entrails in vinegar, like a brine, because they swell up from all the blood they've been drinking. So they kind of have to like make them squeeze back in to fit into their body, which means their body is just standing around headless somewhere. So if you happen to find a headless body, what a lot of people will do is they'll actually stuff glass and pottery down it so that when the penanguin comes to enter back in, it just kills itself or just shreds its way through there. Why not just destroy the body, like burn the body or something? Or am I getting too sensical here? Um, might be putting a little bit too much, uh, a little bit too much sensical stuff on that. Because if I, I mean, find a hollowed out body, <laughs> you know, of a female, of a hollowed out body, it's going to, you know, I don't know. I I got what? an idea. Let's throw it some. It almost gl- went to a weird place. If Let's I throw some glass in it. Female, I'm no. not sure what I'll do with it. No, I, I mean, well, it's we, here. Don't say, no, seriously. You, well, God, here we go. Hold on a second. What? Have you come in contact with a hollowed out body? No, I haven't. But if you were to come sure? in contact with a female hollowed out body, what are you going to do? My first reaction isn't going here? to be, I mean, let's throw some glass into it. I've got Fill an idea. Peanut butter. <laughs> Fill it with peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's if you you would think of if you're OK, you're you're, you know, Taichomin, you know, Oriental vampire hunter. And this is where we lose all of our Asian listeners again. And what do you mean? I want that to be a movie so bad. All one of them in China. Anyways. All one of them. <laughs> and Chuck. Yeah, and Chuck. Asian Chuck. Asian um, Chuck. Yeah. Um, so you find a body that's missing its entrails. It doesn't have a head on it. You know, in most cultures, it's like we need to burn this body. We should probably cut it up. Because it, it doesn't, like it's like you said, it's, it's fairly easy to kill him. You can just beat him to death with a stick. Yeah, there's so, really nothing like supernatural protecting it. So if you find a body with nothing inside of it, it's just a hollowed out body with no head. And you, you're pretty, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. It's probably a female penanguin vampire floating around. If it doesn't have a body to go back to, what's going to happen to it? Does it grow a new body or I don't know? Actually, what I would figure is it would just, well, once the sun came up, uh, soon die. much easier to find too. Like, oh, well, uh can't have the cover of darkness. I'm just a floating entrail and yeah. a head, so people yes. kind of find me pretty quickly. Okay, we'll go with shoving sharp objects down the inside of the body. But <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe if you're the vampire hunter out there, you're just like, you know, I mean, I could burn it, but that's not really creative. You know, I'm getting tired of doing that. Well, I want to reach out, you know, get a little get a little fun with it. Maybe I'll shove some broken Asian glass. Asian Van Helsing is what we need. We need again. Asian. I would watch that movie. I would, <laughs> I would totally too. <laughs> Pretty sure the last name wouldn't be Van Helsing, though. <laughs> Chin Chin Helsing? That Maybe him? it would be something That's Sing. So- no, wow. God, I'm really bad. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> I apologize wow. again. It's okay. I just got an email from somebody today that was like, you know, you're really smart about it. I've heard you on other shows. I've heard you interviewed on other podcasts and, and radio shows. And you're really, really intelligent, which, okay, I sure. And they're like, when you're on your show, how come you come across as such an idiot? <laughs> it's like... Wow, that's great. Wow, that's like a knife to the gut. Like, yeah, oh, I'm like, goodness. is that a compliment? Or I guess I understand what they're talking about now. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. They pretty much spend their days as midwives walking around. It says something in here about they just like the ways you can tell who they are is they sal- salivate when they see blood. And they're always licking their lips. and Especially when they see a pregnant woman. Because, like I said, the, uh, the blood of the fetus or a newborn baby, that's like, that's their main draw. It's like crack to them. It's something they crave. So they have a tendency, like I said, to kind of hang around families that are large of females. Uh, they have a tendency to sort of insert themselves any way that they can around a person who is expecting. 
Now, if you want to just draw back the supernatural aspect and the folklore aspect of it, look at it just as an allegory. You know, Asian cultures, especially in more rural areas, they have a large number of infant mortality. What I think the penangulin really is, if you're, if you're, again, just looking at it from where it could have its base root, is this looming specter of death that is there whenever you know you're about to bring a new life into the world because you're not sure if it's going to make it. And Asian cultures have this strong pull for family. The family dynamic is very strong. Thailand, Philippines, um, even you know, in Korea, Japan, China, the family unit is so important. And to have this almost like looming thing waiting to snatch that new life away from you as soon as you bring it into this world, I think that's what gave rise to the penangulin. Mm-hmm. It's like here when the children were dying in their cribs during you know the early part of the settlements here, even over in England, they blamed cats. Cats, cats came to snatch the baby's yeah. breath away. So, and yeah. that's a belief that says has actually survived to this day. I can remember my grandmother telling me that about my baby sister. So now let the cats stay in their room because they'll steal their breath. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know you what? Know Grandma what? said that to us when yeah, we were when, with our kids. Yeah, don't let that cat in that baby's bedroom because it'll take its breath. I'm like, really, it'll dude? Take its breath away? Yeah, I mean, I remember hearing that when you I was what? a kid. I'm going to look up the origin of that right now. Let me see here. Mm. Um, uh, let's this see. Is riveting. Well, I'm gonna, I probably have to edit this down, I'm sure, but let me see what I can find here. And of cat stealing a baby's breath. Thank God Google understands my typing. Fact checks. Well, let's look at the fact check. Well, it's Snopes, so yeah. Uh, 14 legends about cats from around the world. No, it's not going to be in that one. Do cats steal? Okay, here's one right here. Let's look this up in live science. Uh, cats, cats really kill babies by sucking away their breath. Cats always seem to get a bad rap. That's probably because they don't like humans. Perhaps one of the most commonly held beliefs about cats, right behind the one that says black cats are bad luck, is that cats will suck the breath from infants, ultimately killing them. There are two prevailing ideas to explain why your cat would want to suffocate a bundle of joy. Cats love milk and draw to, are drawn to the smell of baby's milky breath. Cats uh, supposedly get extremely jealous when babies usurp their attention from them, blah, blah, blah. While cats could accidentally suffocate a baby by cozying up too close to its face, experts agree that it's highly unlikely that a cat would smother an infant on purpose. Reports of cat-caused infant deaths are scarce. So how did this tale become so common? One case from 300 years ago may have given this tale its... Oomph. Okay, it's oomph. I get it. Ah, ah. It's oomph. I understand now. It needed to reach its current scare level. In the annual register, a publication that records a year's interesting events, there is an entry for January 25th of 1791. A child 18 months old was found dead near Plymouth, and it appeared on a coroner's inquest that the child died in a in consequence of a cat sucking its breath, thereby occasioning whatever that word is, a mm-hmm. strangulation. Uh, Corner Asian. knows best, so it must be true, right? Uh, adding to this report is the fact that cats have long been thought of as the familiars of witches, so if parents, or even coroners, found an infant dead with a cat nearby, the cat was be- was killed. No, the cat was automatically blamed for the incident. Nowadays, however, we know otherwise healthy babies can die without any known causes or an occurrence known as sudden infant death syndrome. That's about all it says. So, yeah, that's where the legend apparently Plymouth. comes from. Started with Puritans. I knew it. 
Well, yeah, I guess. So, but that yeah. there's all kinds of legends throughout all kinds of folklore dealing with baby deaths and things like that. You've, you know, in Europe, you've got the legends where babies come along and remain to changelings or your child can die that way, you know, for various yeah. things through that. So let's move on to something. Where do we go from here? Because you've got a couple of them. The, the, the body face creatures are, you've got two different ones on here. Um, the Kabandaha, I can't pronounce that name. You you wrote the blog, you do it. You can look like the fool. <laughs> you do it. You actually had it pretty close. The way I've been pronouncing it is a Kabanda. Okay, Kabanda, that works. Sure. All right. So you've got, <laughs> these things are essentially just walking torsos, correct? Yeah, uh, with big eyes on their chests and a huge mouth on their belly. So you've got two different variations on here. They're actually two separate creatures, but they look the same. So start with this one. What the hell is this thing? It is a very sad person. Um, It's a very sad person. It is a very sad person. If you look at the full myth of the Kabandaha, you see uh, it's basically a giant that lumbers through the dark. A large muscled arm shove aside trees, exposing the moon to the sky. And it opens this mouth in a long, awful scream. And you see that it has no legs. It has no head above its shoulders. And it is this awful, hellish-looking creature. It is actually supposedly a man who is suffering a curse from the gods. So he's married. Wow. I wasn't going to go there, but, uh, well. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. okay. Go ahead. I often stand in the backyard and push the trees aside and scream at the moon. <laughs> so this thing's a I cyclops. I can picture that in my mind. And <laughs> the neighbors are quite used to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mommy, why is the neighbor yelling through the fence again? Yeah, don't worry about it, honey. He's married. What's that mean? Never mind. Anyways. Um, again, this is another Southeastern Asian thing. How does a person become one of these? Again, their arms are like supposed to be super long and stuff like that, too. There's variations on that as well, correct? Yes. The Kabandaha, some of us say its arms are, you know, just like eight to, I believe it was like eight to ten feet long. Other people say it can be as long as a mountain. Oh, of course. Yeah, it just depends on on the variety or the myth associated with it. Mm -hmm. But one of the main stories is that there was a man named Indra, and he was a, a Hindu god king. He was cursed, or sorry, Indra cursed a Hindu god king by putting his heads, his pushing his head, arms, and legs into his body. So basically, he just shoved all of his extremities into him's like main torso, and ended up showing mercy on him by pulling his arms out to make them impossibly long. That's mercy. His, yeah, that's so he could walk around. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And, uh, the gods are messed away. up. Yeah, and their idea of uh, being nice is just, well, you know, how can I make you a little bit more fucked up? Mm. And basically, they pulled a, uh, a slit across its stomach to make a giant mouth. And the only way that the curse could ever be severed was if the arms uh, were severed as well. However, it being now marked by a god, it was almost impervious to mortal weaponry. So it would take an act of a god to sever its arms. So essentially it was cursed forever. Wow. This sounds like something out of a Clive Barker story. 
Doesn't it though? I could totally wiggling genitalia on that. (laughs) Well, no, I could totally see like because that was like the whole Hellraiser thing was the the this um, what's the word I'm looking for the the, uh, dysmorphic body. I can't remember uh, body the dysmorphia. Yeah, body dysmorphia, because yep. that's what this uh, this whole thing is about. You know, it's just let's take a body and twist it in some weird, strange way. I could totally see something like this happening in a Clive Barker story. You know, your arms are stretched out, your face is crushed in, and blah blah blah. And now you're off. You know, you're just off. Go. You know, whatever. Because it doesn't like just mutation almost of your physical form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, so that description sounds like a Mapinguari from South America. Mapinguari was that the uh, the almost like Bigfoot Cyclops hybrid? Yeah, yeah, had a big mouth in the middle of its stomach that was to eat meat and one giant eye. Yeah, see, the similarities for these creatures are crazy Mm -hmm. because, like, the Kabandaha actually, and now that you mentioned the Mapinguari, share almost identical similar features with the Anthropophagus Mm. uh, from Greek mythology, which is actually called Bellamy's. So, I mean, that's one of those weird things where you see cultures that have never interacted with each other share common myths. See, I don't know how much I buy that idea of cultures that don't interact with one another. That we know of. Yeah, yeah, that we know of. Historically. Because you see so many of these. It's like we were saying earlier. You see so many of these myths interchange and crisscross and and all share increments of one another. You know, these stories all have their pieces of one another where it's like you can see where one story evolved from another story, which involved evolved from another story, and how at one point or another they're all tied together. And I've often wondered about, because history is a weird thing. We can only go back so far with it. And we're, right. again, we're these, we're these arrogant beings. It's like, well, we know, you know, we know how this happened and how that happened. And yet we're finding new villages and new things all of the time. You know, things that are going back further and further and further. Because for a long time, it was never accepted that the Vikings never came to America before, you know, long before America was discovered. You know, and now it's become more or less, it's not really talked about a whole lot, but it's like, yeah, Vikings came here. You know, at some point or another, they came here and they traveled through, you know, there's hist- there's there's evidence of the Vikings coming through the Great Lakes and through Michigan <clears> and having <throat> settlements and stuff through here. You know, which you can see coming through from the northern parts of the United States and going down and et cetera. Um so I don't know how much I buy that whole concept of these concept these, these people didn't have contact with one another. I, I believe they did. You know, just if it's even in, through the folklore so alone. That and I like that you mentioned that even through the folklore alone because that's that's kind of what I believe is there's a common root, uh, a thread that runs through all of these different cultures we talk about, like with the anthropophagus, and also just look at depictions of dragons. I mean, there are depictions of dragons that sync up almost perfectly and they're from europe they're from asia they're from the aztec empire i mean you can look at them and see they have all these similarities it's almost impossible to me that they didn't have a common root that there was something that all of these cultures saw that they could draw from i tend to believe that was people finding dinosaur bones and not understanding what dinosaur bones were and saying well this must have been a creature of some kind it's a dragon or something i can totally understand where that would come from oh yeah i can see that too and i've often wanted it to be like that because i'm not to interrupt you i'm sorry i i I, every time i hear about like the different myths that are similar different creatures that are similar the dragon scenario i always go back to convergent evolution where things happen in different areas 
and they fill a niche and the animal ends up looking strikingly similar to its counterpart on a different, like um, we have dingoes in Australia. We have dogs and wolves around here. And then there was the thylacine was not a dog, was not canid, but bore a striking resemblance to a canine had nothing in common with canine. Didn't even share a similar or a, a, Ancestral a common ancestor at all. So these stories and these creatures, something had to have happened with these people that morphed slowly into something that looks strikingly similar on different sides of the planet. Well, even with dragons, different like Asian dragons do not look like your European variations of dragons. And those don't look yeah. anything like South American variations of dragons. Other than they have a mouth. Well, with the fangs. South American dragons look strikingly similar to Asian to dragons. Asian dragons. Yeah. Yeah. And the South American and the Asian dragons look an awful lot like a worm. Yeah. Or a where snake. they have. Yeah. They have, you know, the 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 wings with the hind Serpentine legs and tail, not yeah. the, you know, they don't look like the Anglo-Saxon dragon, the four legs with the wings and the it's yeah, yeah, it's it's strange. Does Russia have or any kind of dragon legends or anything like that? Or are they more along the lines of the European one? They would be similar to the Europeans. Yeah, well they well, they actually had a lot of Mongolian history, so there may be something with the Mongols. Yeah. There. Yeah. It could have come by way of that. Yeah, it could have came by way of Asian transferred Cause, upwards cause through Mongol, Siberia. Mongol yeah, cuz they were uh they very inclusive. They took a lot of different castes, a lot of different religions as well. So there uh, it could easily be a bleed over there. See, uh, excuse me. I'm seeing a lot of stuff on Slavic dragons, uh, Russian yeah, fairy tale characters, which basically look like, looks like Tiamat. Like Gidhira. You think they look like Tiamat? I look well, at that's what I I'm think seeing. it looks like Gidhira. Well, yeah. Again, it looks like Tiamat. Tiamat was what a multi yeah. five headed dragon. You know, again, monster yep. manual she dungeons and dragons. So you know, it's that's awesome. Yeah, they look like hydras for the most part. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess three so. heads, typically three heads. Oh, and there you go too. You got the uh, the typically three heads from the Slavic dragons, and then also you know you got the hydra from Greek mythology. Yeah, there was a lot going on with the Greeks and Romans though that stuck right around in that area. They traveled all over that side of the globe, which is a really good segue into the Bellamies, a personal favorite, mostly because it was a. Well, if you ever seen the movie or the TV show Ah Real Monsters, I grew up on it, loved it. Yeah, uh, remember Crumb? Crumb? Yeah, Crumb. <laughs> that's awesome. So good. When I made that connection, my mind was blown. I was like, "Oh, my childhood!" Right. But uh, like with the Abelomies, and they, we call them different things over the years. Um, I believe the Greeks called them the Anthropophagus. Um, they share a lot of different. Like I said, the Idlis men, and they share, they share a lot of things with the Kamandaha. But what really kind of sets them apart is, well, honestly, what I think they were originally derived from. Because you see depictions of them uh, well over 2,000 years ago by the Greek historian Heroditus. And he talked about the headless man-eaters with a giant maw in its stomach. Mm-hmm. And that starts to trickle down, and you start to see it again by a Roman author called Pliny the Elder who backs up here and claims that he knew these creatures from accounts of sailors. And it's even actually spirals into the Middle Ages, where the Bellamies were a popular edition of local tales. I believe it was um, a writer named Mandeville, and that was like 13th, 14th century, uh, spoke of them as folk of foul stature and of cursed kind that have no heads, and their eyes beyond their shoulders. 
Mm. And Sir Walter Raleigh, uh, he claimed to have on good authority that the Bellamy's were, in fact, uh, creatures that he called the Iwampana and defended his belief in them, even though he had never seen them himself. Wow. I mean, they show up in Greek depictions. They show up in wood carvings. Uh, they show up in medieval text. It is fascinating. But what I think really, and, and I, I equate it to something a little strange, it's like a big evolution of the telephone game. Yeah, because right. every telling <laughs> gets more twisted. It's never exactly what you see. So you know, you have the Greeks with the penchant for dehumanizing unknown people, which of course that's really anybody meeting a new foreign culture they've never encountered. And for example, like the Bellamies could easily have actually been um, a group of people called the Bedoun, and they wear their classic headdresses. And they were nomadic. They lived in areas around North Africa, and that's actually one of the places where the Bellamies were said to dwell. What were these things? Were these creatures that would attack you in the night? Because it mentions on here that they're man eaters, so obviously they ate people. Were yes. they just were they like a tribe that you encountered, or were they a, like a, a random monster you'd run into in the woods, or you know? Basically, the, the, the headless men were a part of a group that the Greeks called, like I said, the Bellamies, and those mm-hmm. weren't just headless men. Uh, there's were dog-faced peoples, uh, man-eaters, essentially. Uh, there was even one depiction of people that have giant feet that can't actually walk. They have to kind of like, in a weird way, sort of yo-yo back and forth and sort of rock themselves to get around. Uh-huh. Uh, they were cyclopses. And there was even ones with feet whose, face, whose feet face behind them. So that they walk, their trails go the opposite way when they're walking. And this was all a group of weird sort of mutated humans almost. I was going to say, this sounds a lot like an explanation for birth defects. Mm, See, that's another one I wanted to talk to you, too, because a lot of these people that showed up, you know, like Cyclopia, that's a real thing. That occurs in some humans. Mm -hmm. And you've got people like Siamese twins um, that would have been joined uh, at birth, and when you see that, you, of course, assume that it's a monster. Again, these are people at a different time. They wouldn't have known that you know this was just a birth defect. They would have thought this was some unholy creature. Because you've like with giant feet, you could have uh, elephantitis or right, there's yeah. any another of there's any number. And again, it's unnatural. It's cursed. It's a creature. You know, traveling circus sideshow kind of thing for exactly. the most part. Um, and I think that, that sort of just ballooned out of control when we started looking at people looking over the histories. They started reading about these things, and it starts to sort of purvey further into the future. I mean, again, I mean, the the headless men showed up in Ah Real Monsters. It was actually uh, the Apothegius or Anthropophagus, excuse me, was the main horror villain in Rick Yancey's book, The Monstromologist, uh-huh. which is fascinating. By the way, you should really read it. So, I mean, it's it's like it's pervaded through the culture. It's really interesting to think about. Like, what could have easily just been a misunderstanding for some guys that wore headdresses and lived in the desert turned into headless man-eating cannibal tribes. So these were the, yeah. the, 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 I can't pronounce it, the Bedouin? Is that what it was? The Bedouin, yes. They were said to be a race of, of mutated, they, they were like a race of mutant, it was a mutant tribe that just, you know, wandered around. The Bedouins? No, the, the Bedouin was a real people, not mutated. Okay. Um, the way that the way oh, that they okay. wore I misheard their you. Outfits. Gotcha. Oh no, sorry. Yeah. The way that they wore their outfits. <laughs> as, as soon as Lobo listeners? said it the proper way, I'm like, I'm being an idiot. Well, <laughs> I am living up to that to that explanation now. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Wow. Now, now I'm I'm back into the game now, and I realize exactly what the hell you're talking about. I'll just drink my Pepsi and shut up now. 
Oh, yeah. <sighs> <sighs> okay. I'm disappointed that you're drinking Pepsi, though. Not going to lie. Oh, mm. are you a Coke mm. guy? Shots fired. I, I've heard about people like you that like the only thing in the world that you can drink is Coke. See, RC I Cola. Diabetes, and that was from Coke, okay? Well, I'm drinking, wow. I'm drinking Cherry Pepsi Max, which means that uh, it's it's 9 o'clock now, so I'm not going to bed till 4 o'clock in the morning tonight. Oh, that's great. Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, moving on. Um, the Akurakami. Did I say that correct? Akurakami. You did, actually. I have mispronounced it numerous times. I'm going to go with that one. This looks like a Lovecraftian hell creature. It is a Lovecraftian hell creature. That's awesome. It sounds like one of the deep ones. Oh, man. That would be a wonderful crossover. A Japanese deep one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's spoken of that they're... I would. I would so watch that. What was the Lovecraft movie they made that was horrible? Boy, that's saying Dagon. a lot. That's, I, that's exactly because that's what it looks like. So it looks like it looks like the chick from Dagon. But she does look the chick from Dagon. Oh my yep. god! I never made that connection. Mm-hmm. That's probably where they ripped it off from. <laughs> now I'm gonna no, lie well, to you. Though. No, they were that around a lot longer. <laughs> no, I mean the guys who made the movie. They were like, oh, well, I'm sure. Yeah, let's let's I'm just sure. do this. So, okay. Went to the future. It was just like, oh, man, I'm going to steal this depiction for this creepy creature. Go back in time and write a terrible story about it. Yeah, right. Well, describe it. Tell us all about it. Okay. Well, the uh, Kikokami, Kikokami, we're going to call it the Kami here, um, was essentially. The Kami. <laughs> the Kami. <laughs> it was essentially a creature from Japanese folklore. It was essentially the uh, Anui folklore, which were the indigenous people of Japan. And basically, the monster existed right around what you call Hadaku Bay or Hadio Bay. And they've been sighted as far as Korea. There's been myths of them showing up in Taiwan. But essentially, it dates back, I believe, to the 1400s. And it deals with a curse that was placed upon a single man. For some unknown reason, this man had offended the spirits. He had offended uh, the gods. He had made some awful, awful deal. And it was his turn to pay up. And his payment, essentially, was to watch his entire village die. And to him to be the only one that survives. And to make this happen, the spirit sent a half-man, half-spider called Yaoshikepu. A drider? Cool. A, basically a drider. Mm. And so, of course, it laid waste to the village. You know, slaughtering people, consuming them. And so much so that the awful cries and blood leaked out into the ocean to the sea gods. And they transformed Yoshikepu into the Kokorikami and threw it into the sea. Uh, its body began to change. The spider legs shifted and became tentacles. Um, the reddish blood, or sorry, the reddish water from all the blood soaked into its skin, gave it a red color. And it was said to have grown over 120 feet long and used its new curse to attack ships as they would pass by the bays. And, of course, when you start hearing that depiction, you basically start to see the strong connection between the Kami and the giant squid. Which, yeah. of course, you know, it's got long squid-like body, the reddish color, the penchant for attacking ships. You can see a bit of a Greek siren in there. Mm-hmm. Well, this was a guy that got transformed into this, right? Because the image you have on here depicting has got this, you know, topless chick with her head turned and tentacles coming out of the water. 
Some so, of the stories essentially are a little, like I said, they are a little bit blended in. Uh, like I said, some of them came from is Korea, you see in Taiwan. In some of those, it's actually a female that they originally said, not a male. So I just kind of went with the one that was a little bit easiest for me to pull together, and that was the male version. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got a listing on here for a book that you can read on Google for free. Mm-hmm. Which, what's that book called? It's called The Anui and Their Folklore. And you got a link to it on here as well on your website. Right. Yeah, it's on my website, AriBrewster.com. It's under my Creature Features, The Akukakami. You know, I'm going to throw and a link to that up on our Facebook page. Do it. It is a really good read. So, like I said, some of, the, some of them are a little bit blurry, but they're mostly pretty good. It's, I'm assuming it's an Asian book that's been translated over to American English, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. And it does look like it's a little bit older, so some of the scans are a little bit not up to par, but they're mm-hmm. still legible. What's weird about this, or which actually it's very, it's very, very much Asian folklore, is th- you've got a situation mm-hmm. where it starts out, goes to another creature, which turns into this drider, which, again, I'm sorry, D&D people, if you don't know, not <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons people, and Dungeons and Dragons is a creature that it's, uh, it's a, a creature, it's half dark elf and half spider, and they call them driders. And, uh, wow, that's original. Yeah, exactly. Basically, number one waifu. So, and they did the same thing. They they offended the gods or made some kind of a wicked deal and became evil, and that's their penance for it. They were transformed into these half spider, half half elf creatures. Um, which now I could see where that legend came from. But um, you, the creature starts off as this giant spider with a body. The bottom half, the bottom half of the body is a spider, and the top half of the body, where the head would normally be, turns into like a centaur, where it's a human, and. So that's the, that in one aspect right there is pretty creepy and crazy where you've got this giant creature going around and destroying your village and then it gets thrown into the water and turned into yet another creature, which is half octopus or half squid and half human, which, you know, goes out and lays waste to everything. It's the yeah, idea so like, that not only is it destroying your village, it's also killing you and your ships. So. Exactly. But it transforms from one creature, which is horrid and disgusting, into another creature, you know, a, a sea bearing creature. So it's that. OK, now you've pissed off these gods. So now I'm throwing OK, now you've pissed off those gods and those gods are going to transform you. you know? <laughs> so if it throws you up into the air, then what's going to happen? The air gods are going to get pissed off and you're going to turn into a sphinx creature of some kind or something. I don't know. But um, it's like the weirdest evolution you've ever seen. Well, it's very that's typical Asian, though. Like, what was the show that you and Chuck did, um, Lobo, about the, the Oni? Uh, yeah, the the, the it on demons. Yeah, exactly. And they're 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 creatures of this. They're, they're these weird, bizarre Pokemon, like you know, demon like creatures. But all of their well, creatures the are like Japanese demons. Yeah. So it's just this just fits with their culture for everything that it does. So and yeah, you're right too. Like the transformation aspect is extremely Asian. Um, I don't know if you guys read or go through a lot of manga, but I've been on a big kick. Oh, I've with, seen enough uh, hentai. No, go ahead. You know where this <laughs> wow! Is going. No. Wow! This <laughs> is a joke. Well. Yeah, I know. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Good you're stuff. fine. I've, I've seen it too. Wait, wait, wait. No, wait, wait. <laughs> I have. I'm not the ashamed. Orphan? I'm not what are you talking about? But uh, yeah. anyways, <laughs> what do you mean? Wow! Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, it's a good time. But, uh, <laughs> getting kind of aroused here no we didn't need to go there that's where the joke ends (laughs) (laughs) but uh anyhow you were saying a lot of of junji ito and Mm. if you're not familiar with his work he is extremely detailed and very graphic 
extremely graphic. Extremely graphic. And a lot of his stuff, though, of course, deals with transformation. Of course it does. Because that's part of life. Well, yeah. But it's it's one of those interesting things. Like you said, it's part of life. And a lot of them, and I've noticed this, too, if you watch even just a lot of Japanese shows in general, uh, hits right at puberty. A lot of their stuff goes right from that time where you're Mm -hmm. kind of transforming from a boy into a man. And I just find that so neat as how that's so heavily ingrained into their media, their culture. It's just fascinating to me that the act of transformation is such a big thing over there. That's what Pokemon is all about. Yeah, you have to evolve your Pokemon. Your Pokemon. Pokemon. Wow. (laughs) For a split. Yeah, I was going to say it. For a split second, I went to South Park. Jim Pokemon. He assures me that my penis is huge, dinosauric, and gigantic. I haven't seen that episode in for a long. No one knows what I'm talking about right now. I'm sure there's a few people. There. It's huge. <laughs> Don't worry. They told me biggest they've ever seen. Biggest they ever seen. <laughs> Nobody knows the best what words. we're talking about. <laughs> I'm All sorry. Right. Let's move on to the real monsters. The actual, the, the human beings. The the guy that you have in here. Um, I gotta click over to the link. Hong Yong, is that how it's pronounced? Yes. Okay. He is arguably one of the most twisted individuals I've come across. And I'm not saying that lightly. You know, you read on Dom Lee on Ted Bundy, you know, you see a lot of depravity. But this particular person really kind of threw me for a loop. And this is a really obscure of, guy. I've I'd, I'd never heard of him he's until... so non-assuming looking, too. Oh, yeah, he looks just kind of normal yeah oof all right and that's kind of uh, tell us about kind of grabs me here i kind of want to introduce him a bit with uh uh the words from lu ningbo which was uh, the father of one of yang's first victims uh he said that hyong yang is a tumor in society even mm-hmm. handing down the death sentence will not appease the family members and of course you know that's a loose translation of what he said but he's very right it doesn't seem that even death would be a fair penance for wall that this man put these people through. Because Hyung Young was somebody who idolized killers. Uh, he was born in 1974, and he started showing some very worrying problems right out of the gate. Uh, he would often write school papers on wanting to be an assassin. Uh, he talked about how he enjoyed watching films about murder, wanting to be a hitman, and now he would express that all he needed was a chance. That's all it needs. Just one opportunity to show the world. And he got that chance in 2001. He lived in a place called Henan Province. That's in central China. And I think it's on the outskirts of a fairly large uh, village called Da Xinyang. Uh, maybe butchering that. It's a pretty long word. And I'm hoping no, you I got, got it right. Because right. we've, oddly enough, over the years, we have covered that area of China many times. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. everything strange that happens in China happens in Henan province for whatever reason it's like the florida of china for for oh, lack God. of a better term. no it, everything weird happens right around there in that centralized area it's like all of, we we find and I, I didn't really realize that till just recently but all of the stories that we cover most of the time we cover these asian stories like we can't pronounce the words half the time and most of the time we don't do a whole lot of pre-reading on our stuff we'll check it out real quickly to make sure if it's as legit as possible as we can and then we'll just jump into it and then everything that has to do with China always seems to come out of this area. It's like you've got like the weird zoos over there and weird stuff happens in them. And mm-hmm. It's kind of just a nexus. 
it's, yeah, it's just this tell you strange what. area in China where all this bizarre, crazy stuff happens. If you really like this stuff, there is a podcast called the Asian Madness Podcast. Check it out. This woman yeah. covers like bizarre murderers, serial killers, strange events. It's it's disturbing. She's got like twenty three episodes out now. Really, it's it, the literally Asian madness podcast. Yep, the Asian Madness podcast. She's really good. Anyways, we've totally distracted you from your talking. <laughs> no, no, I promise. But you're I right. That. That's what the area is called, and it's just it's the most. It's, just, it's like China's Florida. There's no other way for me to put China's it. China's Florida. <laughs> See, because now I'm a, now I'm kind of putting Young as like my picture for Florida man, and it, it doesn't make him any more endearing. Yeah. <laughs> no. But go ahead. What did he do, and you know the rest of the stuff? Uh, well, basically, he started to hunt around uh, the villages, uh, cafes, arcades. You know, internet cafes are big over there. A lot of arcades, techno lights, colors. Uh, they serve a lot of alcohol, and they have a growing problem with homeless men, truant young youth. And basically, as Yang started to move through the area, teenagers started to disappear at an alarming rate. Now, what really is just, it's almost like it just salt in the wound. As we go through the story, you'll you'll kind of notice that the police do uh, basically nothing. Um, In fact, when people start to put out the idea that, man, these kids are disappearing, maybe we have like a killer among us. uh, They were trying to squash those so that nobody talked about that idea. And at the same time, they were basically just sitting on their thumbs. Because it was a problem taking care of itself. Exactly. You know, you had true and youth. Well, not for long. And again, I hate to say it like that, but that's kind of how they were treating it. And what Young would do is he would approach young men, uh, usually while they're in there drinking, playing on the computer, that sort of stuff. And he'd lure them back to his house. Now, his house was not very nice. It was kind of just like a, like a almost earthen floor kind of place. Not exactly a shanty, but very dingy, yeah. And, you know, he would just kind of lay it on thick. He would promise them, yeah, a good time. Hey, I'm working on this new game. Uh, You might want to come by and check it out. Or he wants to get some beers, you know, keep the party going. And when they were there, he would overpower them. Or he would drug their drinks and drag them out into a shed behind his house to a device that he had rigged up. Uh, He called it the Intelligent Wooden Horse. It was a modified uh, stand used in noodle making. Uh, He used it to facilitate the rape and strangulation of his upwards of 17 teenage boys. So messed up. And it is just disturbing to think about. And the police, when they uncovered it, they said that the table was covered in feces and semen. Like it was just unwashed. It was just this disgusting thing. And there was very little way in what, and there's little leeway in imagining as to what it was used for. It was pretty blatant. Good amount of time went by. You know, interest in the disappearances, you know, they spiked because Yang started to get really brazen. Uh, he would actually leave pieces of the body parts of his victims in areas where he would kidnap others. I believe uh, one time he left, uh, I think, a pair of hands on the doorstep of an internet cafe. Oh, yeah, just well, let you know there. Yeah, just to let them know, hey, I'm, I'm in town and you don't seem to care. Wow, that is brazen. Yeah, it is disgusting. But, you know, at that time, you kind of think that maybe he's wanting to be caught. You know, they, there's a prevailing theory about serial killers that they go through a cycle. 
and yep. it's a cycle of where you know they're they're lusting after the kill, hunting. They really, really, really want this to happen. They're fantasizing about it. They get themselves worked up. They start to hunt for that perfect victim. They find them. The kill happens, and then that remorse hits. What You've have I done? Got on oh here that he approached a teen, and the teen claimed that he approached by Yong, who told him that he had developed a new game, one called God Riding a Wooden Horse. God Riding a Wooden Horse which I'm kind of sure that's how he saw himself. You know, I'm master of life and death, and you're my wooden horse. It is a There, the killer convinced the child that the game involved being tied to a table and counting to a thousand. Zhang was then uh, strangled until he passed out. He would come to three times throughout the brutal sexual assault, and during those times, he would talk to Yang. <clears throat> These strangled, struggling conversations are what saved his life. Was yeah, this Zong how they caught the, the guy? Thought, yeah, Zhang actually got away. Uh, he was when they first got to the police, um, they didn't believe it because you know he's kind of got a reputation as a bad boy. But he showed him needle marks on his stomach uh, where he'd been injected so many times. And basically, what he did was while Yang was assaulting him, he would keep talking to him. He was just like, "Hey, you know, I I want to get to know you." And eventually, I know it sounds weird, but it, that's kind of what worked for him because he convinced Yang that when you get old, I'll take care of you. You, know, you don't have anybody. You don't have a, a mom, a sister. You don't have a wife or anyone that loves you. Mm-hmm. you know, who's who's going to be there for you when you get old? And that basically let him drop his guard. And as soon as his guard was dropped enough, he ran for his life. Oh, that's a, that, I've heard that before with uh, captives. That you can they kind befriend of, them. Befriend them, yeah. I think one of the weirder ones, too, and I think it was with the toy box killer. This is a little bit off of a tangent, but he would kidnap women, keep them in a modified torture room, uh, the back of a car, I believe it was, that he had set up some sort of like storage bin. Uh, No, it was a moving van, essentially. And he would play for them tapes like, oh, you know, you're here because you're going to be raped. Um, You're going to be horribly assaulted. And he actually did all of this with a woman who was sort of his accomplice, if you will, but she was also one of his potential victims. And the way she kept herself from being hurt was she engined and didn't and she basically made him like her to the point where he was like, I don't want to do these things to you, so I'll do them to somebody else. Hmm. Well, when Kelly was on here a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about that um, the one individual where he raped the the little boy and the little girl, and she kind of you know mocked befriending him, and that was what got her. That, that was what saved her. You know, she was really sweet and just kept being nice to the guy, yeah. and eventually he let her yeah. go. And that was he what, let her go. Yeah. yeah, and that was what saved him, or saved saved the little girl. So um, back to this guy. You, it says in here you've got that he would save parts of his victims or even their whole bodies and just save them in his shed yeah. and store them. Yeah, he had him out in the back of his shed. Um, the smell was of course overwhelming, but nobody complained about that where he was because he's kind of in the middle of a shanty town, and. You know, people really started to take notice, of course, when he got arrested and it could have came up that the police didn't do anything. Mm. And you know, he expressed no remorse. Uh, during the trial, Young stayed. He was happy. He got to live out his dream. Uh, he'd always wanted to be an assassin. And, you know, he managed to get a really high count and he was proud of that. A lot of fallout happened because of that. You know, the police, everybody was basically kicked out uh, or forced to resign as they started to go over, they're just curious as you know how you could have let this occur. And he was eventually, Hyang Yang was executed by a single gunshot to the back of the head. Oh, they shot him. Sim- yeah, they shot him. Hmm. Well, I have one, I have actually another killer I'm about to finish and wrap up on where his execution was five minutes after his trial. 
They're good. Yeah. That's, yeah. They, they literally just was like, oh, you're done, pulled out, and messed him right there. Where was that? What part good. of the world was that in? Also in China. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know? uh, Get her done. Yes. Very, very efficient over there. Yes. But uh, what was kind of came to light after that, he was, of course, killed in December of 2006, 2003. Uh, they did find two more bodies that matched uh, the MO of his other victims. So it brought wow. his kill count to 20. Judas Priest. That's impressively high. Yeah. And then you've got on here. It's rather cryptic. If you enjoyed reading about Hong Yong, feel free to check out other killers. <laughs> I mean, I was like, hey, if you like I, I the art, I, I, I got some more. Yeah, I, I understand. It just seems really strange reading that after reading something like that. Um, I actually meant it to be that jarring. <laughs> You're good when at I that. read it out loud, it was like, <laughs> man, that kind of sounds like, all right, folks. And now on to more news. And the severed monkey's paw was found uh, next to the baby's cradle. And eggs are on sale as well. Yeah, that's that's so yeah, good. That's kind of what I was going for. That's great. <laughs> well, we've had you on here for an hour, and Lobo does have to get going. So um, I didn't mean to rush you through this by any means, by the way. Oh, uh, no, if it no, came no, across that way. Um, as always, Robert, it's been disturbing talking to you. Um, it was awesome. <laughs> always good to be on, guys. I love y'all. I do very love much. You too, uh, man. I love how you find the strangest folklore, which is something that, you know, that's that's what our show does. We try to dig out there and find different things and find deeper things that are out there that most people don't talk about. And you do it exceedingly well. Um, people can find passion. you where and, you know, talk about how they can find you and talk about your blog a little bit if you want to. Okay, yeah. If you want to track me down, I'm actually at com. How you can find my blog there. Uh, it's actually the process of coming up a batch of updates, so there'll be some new content coming out soon. I do have a YouTube channel. It's Ari Brewster uh, on YouTube. And you can check me out on Facebook at Ari Brewster Writes. But uh, i got a couple of exciting news. I'm actually in the process of working on my first game. I've been developing it for a little while now. So Board game, video game? A, it's a video game. Oh. It deals a bit with uh, sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing. I'm a big fan of Zork. Oh back my in God, the day yeah nice uh, yeah nice. so it's going to be pretty fun i hope and i'm actually going to have that up i'm hoping to wrap it up in the next month so cool. we'll be seeing some updates on those all right man thanks a lot um as always keep in touch and you do hang out in our facebook page so it's uh, if yeah. anybody wants to talk to you, you're not a stranger. You're not difficult to find if you're on our Facebook page or if you find our Facebook page, and you know, or you can, they can people can get a hold of you through your. Uh, I think you're on Twitter as well, correct? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, Ari Brewster, or it's Twitter slash Ari Brewster. And there's contact information for you on your website too, I believe. Yeah, man, thanks. We'll be bugging you again in a few months after you build up some more content. And you know, as always, we'll keep this going a couple of times a year. Appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, man, it's happy to be back. Y'all are good times. Thank thanks, you, sir. brother. Take care. Take care, guys. He's always a fun guy to have on here. Um, He's a mushroom. (laughs) You know, I made that joke at the beginning of the show and I was waiting for you to say something and you didn't. And then I forgot about it till just now because you're a dick. I am. (sighs) But you are going to be going off and having surgery in a couple of days. Tomorrow. Oh, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow at 930 in the morning.
Okay, and I have not only forgotten that today, the day we're recording, is your birthday, but tomorrow <laughs> you're having surgery as well. Um, I am you're an asshole like for a friend. <laughs> but we don't know if you're going to be here or not next week. I, I think you probably will. I don't know. By then, I don't know. It depends on how much moving around and stuff you're going to do. Because I've got a guest lined up for next week. It's weird because I'm trying to plan shows right now, but I don't know when you're going to be here and when you're not. You're definitely going to be off work for a few weeks, right? Uh, seven to 10 days. That's it. Really? Yep. No six seven weeks or anything? 10 days. There's no, it, this is the longest amount of time. There were three, there were three variations of the operation and I chose the one that's going to take me out of work for the longest amount of time. Okay. And that's seven to 10 days. That's, are you going to have, be on restrictions or anything like that though? Um, I can't lift anything over 10 pounds for, I think he said two weeks. Really? And then I can return back to my normal, you know, I could go back to the gym finally after not being able to be at the gym for way too many years. I'm in the same boat. Exactly and the then, same uh, boat. I think, it's, uh, I think it's four to six weeks I can go back to the gym. Yeah. They, see, they told me it was going to be four. I was going to be on my ass for four to six weeks when I get the surgery. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, the job that I have, part of it is a lot of getting in and out of a car continuously throughout the day because part of it I do sales. And the other part of the job, I do a lot of lifting and putting stuff away. Mm. And it's heavier stuff. And I know my work, they're going to be like, if you can't do anything but just sit, you know, that the, the job doesn't work that way where I work right now. So <laughs> they're going to be like, no, you, you need to stay and, and get this taken care of or what have you. So they're expecting me. They they know what's going on. They're expecting me to be off for a period of time. So you know, we'll just I'll just deal with it when it happens. For me, I'll be like, okay, I need to like just kind of stroll and push myself into the room here and start. I, I'll be working on junk for the show rather than just sitting on my butt the whole time. I know what I'm going to do. So, anyways, um, yeah, I'm trying to plan shows. And I don't quite know when you're going to be here and when you're not going to be here. So I guess it'll just be business as usual. And the month of October is going to be nuts for me because I'm going out of town. I'm going out to Vegas for the motorcycle expo mm. with uh, Chuck and Todd. And then after that, I'm going to have probably my surgery. So it's going to be off the wall. Is my nose squeaking again? I don't know. Okay. Anyways. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's so anyways, great. yeah, the show is going to be weird here for a little bit. There will probably I don't I don't think we're going to be running too many best ofs or anything like that. There will be shows. I just don't quite know how they're going to work. And we have two guests, uh, one of them being Cutchen, Joshua Cutchen, that we have to get back on here. Yep. And there's another one that me and you are reading a book for right now that I need to get out of the way as fast as possible as well. So mm -hmm. we've got a he's lot coming of on this. He's coming on the spark, too. So when you're down, we might be able to release that. Yeah. Um. Well, it's like I was telling you off the air, he sent me a message like, what, you guys don't like me no more or something? Because he's been on every show. Dude, he's been everywhere. 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 Dude Mysterious Universe, shit. everywhere. And he's he's become a big thing. So we haven't had him back on here because I is what more can we ask him? What more can we talk to oh, him about? Oh, we always get more out of him. He, well, dude, he sits back and chills with us. Yeah, it, so that's what he was. That's what he wants to do. He wants to tune on some stuff a little bit more closely that he doesn't get a chance to talk about in other shows. And I said, all right, that's cool. That's all we need to do then. And we've already, we're hashing some stuff out and he's going to be back here, but it's going to be, we're, we're probably not going to do the one hour thing with him. We're going to go a little bit longer next time because... That's just the way we do things. When we have guests on here, we do things differently. We try to do mm -hmm. things as much differently as possible. 
And we know Josh. Josh isn't yep. like like we we know Josh. We have Josh's <laughs> phone number for God's sake. I don't. You do. He's got mine. Oh, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if he wants me to have it, so don't send it to me. But we're not doing yeah, something. I'm not sending you shit without permission. I got in trouble the last time I did that. <laughs> really? Yes. Really? Wow. Yep. My wondering... wife was not happy with me. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never bugged your wife ever. <laughs> uh, no, you called her when I was in the hospital. Yeah, that was the one time that I did because yep. I was losing my crap over it. But anyways, <laughs> um, God, how many years has that been now? Four and a half years, coming up on five in February. We're going on eight years now, our show is. Yeah. Or if uh, we haven't just January. passed the eight mark. No. Uh, no, yeah, we started we, in we July. Did. We started in yeah, July. So July we, of 2011. So we're at eight years now, eight plus years. Wow. 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 We're at episode 275, so we're coming up on 300. Yep. But anyways, um, you got some stickers, and do you not agree that they were dumb? Um, they Arch, were not Archie, what I expected. No, they weren't what I expected either. Archie's like really tiny. You can barely read the logo. Yeah, I put up on Facebook that I'm going to be making some stickers, and it promptly Facebook shut down from massive traffic from people bugging me about stickers. <laughs> um. I'm going to get some made. I definitely am working on some other stuff. I'm going to go through another group. I ordered 20 of these things, and they were about as big as a quarter, and they were just really yeah, dumb. Little. And I wasn't really pleased with them. So uh, through a various group of people, people have sent me links to uh, different sites. So I'm going to work something out. I'm going to get more stickers made. It's a matter of time and costs. Uh, the Patreons are going to get them first, and there's a handful of other people that are going to get them uh, before we start sending them out to everybody. Um, cause literally I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to afford the postage to mail everybody out who's going to want stickers. So I have to figure something out or another, but stickers are coming. I am, I'm finally going to get some made and we're going to figure something out. But if you're a Patreon and you're somebody who takes care of the show, um, you're definitely going to get a sticker or stickers or, or something like that. Hopefully I'll have it worked out here within the next few weeks. I'll order another test batch from another company and go from there. The big she problem is randomly sending out headshots. Oh my god. <laughs> What's this? It's a 3D model of our head. Because <laughs> me Lord. and you have only been together a couple of times in real life, so there's there's only a couple of pictures of me and you next to one another. And one yep. of them we may be wearing banana costumes, another one is us out to dinner. I th- I you had on a banana you had on a banana costume. I had a hat and a and a wasn't it a pony yeah, it was or a, it was an inflatable my little pony. There it is. Yeah, that was a while ago. And we're overdue to hook back up again. Um, yep. I'm re- I still want to try to get back out to you some way or another. But that's it. There's no There's no real pictures of us together. The only one that's the primary one is me and you at dinner at the restaurant where I was humping the giant lobster. Oh, and um, that's not in the picture. Um, no. No. That was I, not photographed. But for a small fee. <laughs> for Christ's sake, man. All right. We're done. I'm babbling. Um, and I've got to get some more medication in me to get this uh, this my sinuses back to a working, functional, normal thing. Uh, good luck at your surgery, sir. And I'll text um, you tomorrow when I get out. Oh no, we, uh, you're going to be like me when I had my knee surgery and my hand surgery. I'm out. I'm home now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Sure. I would love to see some video posted, though. That'd be funny. Of what a view fresh out of surgery, waking up from the anesthetic. <laughs> Alicia won't let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that'd be really funny. That would I'm be sure great. It would. So. All right, folks, uh, that's it. Uh, We'll be back next week. Maybe Lobo will be here, maybe not. And uh, that'll be it. Take care, everybody. Peace. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Bye-bye.
<laughs> I don't know. I want to know how it will end. I want to be sure of what it will cost. I want to strangle the stars for all they promised me. I want you to call me on your track phone. I want to keep you alive so there is always the possibility of murder later. Soft, soft 